This is Dr. Bob Patton. Welcome to Making Much of His Mission. His mission, of course, is to see many come to Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, so we can't be with Jesus Christ. The Bible says further, The wages of sin is death. We are separated from Him and ultimately will go to hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He gives us this as a gift. We can't earn it, but we can receive it. For as many as received him, to them gave he power to become children of God. So as we receive Jesus Christ, he comes into our life, gives us his life, which is eternal life, and allows us to spend eternity with him. That is ultimately his mission. Let us all yield totally to the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him as our personal Savior. And now, the message for today. Brothers and sisters in Christ, welcome to Making Our Mission His Mission. Today we want to look at a very controversial subject, and that is, should Christians drink alcohol? Please note that I did not say, can Christians drink alcohol, or is it legal for Christians to drink alcohol? That is not my question. My question is, should Christians drink alcohol? A recent study occurred at Semple Baptist Church from our pastor, Dr. Clarence Sexton, and I'd like to share some things I've seen from his work, plus my own personal evaluation and uh, personal experiences, and also some other uh, reading material in particular, a book by William Patton, who was no relation, on biblical wines during this time. This has been a subject which I've been interested in for a long time. For about two years, when I was practicing medicine, I was actually in charge of an alcohol unit as part of my responsibilities where people were detoxified. And I saw all sorts of things. We saw, of course, uh, cirrhosis of the liver, various types of neuropathy with foot drop. Uh, I even saw a case of uh, Wernicke's encephalopathy, which is a horrible thing to see, which may not be totally reversible after it occurs. Uh, which is associated with alcoholism, and a number of cases of delirium tremens uh, during alcohol detoxification. Alcohol has caused all sorts of, of problems. Here are some recent figures. Uh, estimate 20,000 automobile fatalities per year. About 83% of people dying in fires have some sort of alcohol-related situation. And that's also true of about 50% of the drownings that occur. Strangely, or perhaps not so strangely, over 80% of suicides have some sort of relationship with alcohol, 40% of industrial accidents that are fatal, 65% of child abuse, which I can well believe, and over 80%, some say as high as 86% of murders. Now, alcohol is extremely... Uh, addicting for some people. Apparently about 10 people, 10 percent rather, of those people who start to drink become alcoholics. I think of a fellow that I've known for many, many years now. When he was in a high school, and I happened to be a doctor who took care of him a few times, he was the best athlete I have ever seen, personally uh, had contact with. His senior year, he averaged about 50 points a game playing basketball. One game, he played 100 points. I remember personally playing against him one time, and uh, it was a devastating experience for me. 
Well, he got a scholarship to go to a uh, Christian college. The Christian college was not particularly strong in the area of alcohol, apparently, and a roommate of his introduced him to beer drinking. And within a short period of time, he became addicted to alcohol, and he struggled with that off and on ever since. I was very surprised to see that about 50% of 8th graders now have tried some sort of alcohol, and that uh, in college, perhaps 80% of college students drink, about half of those drink heavily, and that is perhaps the greatest single problem that the administration has to deal with in many uh, institutions. Fortunately, I happen to teach in a Christian school where that is not a flagrant problem, but overall it is. The Bible gives many illustrations of people who got in trouble with uh, drinking, uh, including uh, kings of Israel who drank, uh, others who drank. Apparently the greatest conqueror of his time and one of the greatest conquerors of all time, Alexander the Great, as I understand, was drinking uh, in India after he had no more places to conquer and died while drinking. Belshazzar, uh, that infamous drunken feast that he held uh, the night before his death in the book of Daniel, met death after that. And this is just a small assembly of some of these prices. Habakkuk, the prophet, small book, reminds us in the middle of it, Woe is to them that gives his neighbor drink, that putteth thy bottle to him, and maketh him drunken also, that thou mayest look at his nakedness. Thou art filled with shame for glory. Drink thou also, and let thy foreskin be uncovered. The cup of the Lord's right hand shall be turned into thee, and shameful spewing shall be on thy glory. And so here the prophet not only associates alcohol with nakedness, and at least a suggestion of sexual immorality and the referral to the uncovered foreskin, but also points out that those who encourage drink, are also guilty. Proverbs 20, verse 1, Mine is a mocker, strong drink is a raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. And it's true, the alcoholic is usually deceived into thinking that he's something that he's not, especially while he's drinking, and deceives himself that, yes, I can stop, I just need to decide I'm going to stop, and I can stop at any time only to find out he can't stop. Who hath woes? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contention? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long uh, <clears throat> at the wine, those who seek mixed wine, look not on the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color to the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange woman, and thy heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as though he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or he that lieth on the top of the mast. They have stricken me, thou shalt say, and I felt it not. When shall I wake? I will seek it yet again. I was really struck by this because I've had some experience in seeing people not able to walk properly, uh, seeing hallucinations, hearing uh, hallucinations, uh, with delirium tremens, uh, the red eyes, a uh, very accurate description here. So, first of all, we see that alcohol is a major problem. And although some people view it as a stimulant, 
in reality, it is a suppressant, uh, suppressing inhibitions. And even uh, reflexes, you may not be drunk, you may not be legally drunk, but your reflexes will be affected by the alcohol in your bloodstream. It may make the difference between having an accident and not having an accident. Almost every patient in the, my alcoholic ward wanted to be free. Some of them would complain, boy, I tried my hardest, but I just can't get victory. Sometimes we would try some medications, but the problem with medications is then they became dependent on the medicines, which also was not so great. Now, I know there's some exceptional individuals who just by sheer willpower are able to overcome the temptation of alcohol, put it on the side, but those people are rather few and far between. The good news is that what is not possible in our own strength is possible in the strength of the Lord when you are a true born-again believer. You see, Jesus Christ actually indwells the, the true believer. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, <clears throat> he not only saves you from his sin, he comes to live within you and gives you a new power that you didn't have before. He is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus himself promised uh, the night before he was betrayed, John 14, 16, and 17, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. And verse 20, At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Thus it's possible for Paul to rejoice uh, in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. But maybe you say, well, you know, I don't have any personal problems, but what about your effect on others? I think of a, I think it was a film that I saw, uh, or a, re a report, where a young man uh about uh, 16, 17 years of age, uh, got drunk and killed himself and I believe someone else. And his parents were distraught and wondered who had ever made this young boy drunk. Later on, he found in his closet where he kept his liquor, a note from his son saying, Dad, I'm celebrating my graduation tonight. I'm sure you wouldn't mind that I took this liquor with me and to his horror found that he was the one who had purchased the liquor there. And we need to be careful about our effect of, <clears throat> on the behavior of others. We drink, we say, okay, it doesn't do anything to me, I can drink just fine. But what about the effect that this might have on someone else, your family or someone else? Or maybe the slight delay in reflexes that might make the difference between having an accident and not having an accident. And what about the setting of traps for others? I speak not only against the liquor industry, who portrays alcohol drinking as glamorous. That's the thing that the movie stars do and the, uh, and the great athletes have their, um, their drinks and their beer and their this and that. But we also set a bad example for our family and friends. And what about we who call ourselves Christians? Romans 14, 13, let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Verse fourteen twenty one. it is neither 
It is good neither to eat flesh nor drink wine nor any other thing whereby thy brother stumbleth and is offended and made weak. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 and 33 says, Whether ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they might be saved. I like what uh, my pastor, uh, Dr. Clarence Sexton, says, take the high road. You know, we look at trying to do what is acceptable, or even we may strive to do what is good, but the best is often the enemy of the good, and the good is often the enemy of the best, and we need to take the high road. We need to do what is absolutely the best. Now, a few other things I just might mention. I reread a book today by William Patton. It was written quite a long time ago, but I believe it is still absolutely valid, called Biblical Wines. We got it out of the internet. Just put in Patton, Biblical Wines, touched it down, and bang, there she was. 56 pages, not too long, about an hour's read or maybe a little less. And he goes over in detail some things that I think explain a lot of uh, issues. He was confused because he saw some things that would say the terrible things that wine can do, as you saw in uh, or you heard as I read these to you, and then other places where it said that uh, God gives wine and it makes the face shine and is a blessing and so forth. Uh, and he said to himself, there's got to be two different ways of, of wine. And indeed, he found out when he studied it that that was indeed the case. And that the same word, both in the Greek and in the Hebrew, can be used for fermented wine, that is alcoholic wine, or unfermented. He also studied in great detail how it's possible to have sweet wine that's unfermented, what are the requirements for wine, and uh, what can be done to pre preserve it. I did not know before I read his book the first time that the usual way of preserving was to boil wine and, in fact, to concentrate it. And it usually would become some of it a syrup. And after, in concentrations after it was boiled, it would not ferment anymore. In fact, the requirements for fermentation are really quite specific. Thus, we find that they knew how to preserve wine and did it, and that in most cases, the wine they're talking about is unfermented. Uh, it's also, I think, significant that the Lord used wine in the sense of, I believe, unfermented wine at the Last Supper. You need to realize that any kind of fermentation or leaven is forbidden uh, as a sign of corruption in the offerings. Uh, that's why, uh, for instance, there's no leavened bread uh, in the offerings that were used, and that is also true of the uh, Lord's Supper. And thus it seems highly inappropriate and if there is the possibility of having unfermented wine and fermented wine that you would choose fermented wine. You'd never do that. Also, because it's concentrated, the normal way that this was handled by the ancients was to dilute the wine down 1 to 3 to as much as 1 to 20. All these facts make life a lot easier to understand and uh, show that there's no conflict. 
So what should we do? Well, as far as I'm concerned, uh, we should not, as Christians, drink alcoholic beverages. We should not for our own health. We should not take a risk that we might be that one in 10 that ends up being alcoholic. We should not uh, set a, a bad example for others, and we should not in any way hinder our own health. And so, brothers and sisters, let's take the high road. We can do all things through Christ, which strengthens. May the Lord abundantly bless you. And a final reminder, what we cannot do in our own strength, he can do through us. So as we try to apply what we've learned today, let us yield it to him and ask him to live his life through us. And once again, this is Dr. Bob Patton from Making Much of His Missions, wishing you a blessed day. God bless you.